and welcome to the Lancet Public Health Podcast, In Conversation With. It's June 2023 and I'm Colin McQuillan. In this episode, we'll be discussing a health impact assessment of sector-specific emission contributions to ambient air pollution and mortality in European cities. I'm delighted to be joined here today by the two lead authors on the paper, Dr. Mark Neuenheisen and Sasha Kamanko from the Barcelona Institute for Global Health. Can you please begin by introducing yourselves and telling our listeners a bit about your research interests and uh, and what you're currently focused on? Okay, so I can start. So I'm Sasha. So currently I'm doing a PhD here in Barcelona at the Barcelona Institute for Global Health. Uh, so originally I'm trained uh, more in the bi- biology field, but recently I moved to the public health field. And here I'm very interested in the social determinants of health and basically studying how our environments, known, which we live, are influencing our health. And so currently my PhD is focusing on urban environments, like mostly focusing on air pollution, noise, and how that is impacting the health of the citizens in Europe. I'm Mark Neuhausen. I'm uh, the director of uh, urban planning, environment and health uh, at the Barcelona Institute for Global Health. Uh, My interest is in the relationship between urban and transport planning, environmental exposures, lifestyle exposures and health. And in particular, for the work around this, I mean, it's trying to estimate uh, what is the health impact of these practices in many cities in Europe. Brilliant. So could you briefly describe your study and and explain what you set out to achieve with it? Uh, For sure. Uh, So this study is kind of a follow-up of a previous study that we did. So basically, we're studying cities in Europe. We have a database of almost 1,000 cities in Europe. And previously, we estimated the impacts of air pollution for those cities, and we saw that actually these are pretty high and impacting significantly the health of the citizens. Uh, of those cities. And so now with this new study, we're following up on that and we're basically seeing the sources of air pollution and we're splitting this mortality burden by source. And we're doing that because it actually helps us to formulate kind of more specific policy actions, right? If we know uh, where the air pollution is actually originating from and how is it affecting our health, then we can have more specific policies in, in our cities. So, so according to your study, you know, where does pollution in cities come from? And uh, did any of the results surprise you in terms of the contribution of certain sources? Yeah, so actually uh, what we did in this study, we studied two pollutants, which are quite predominant in cities. So one of those was particulate matter and the other one was nitrogen dioxide. And we saw different patterns for those uh, pollutants. So if we look at Nitrogen dioxide, the main contributor in this case is transport, uh, mainly traffic, which was expected. And mainly these contributions are local, so they're happening in the cities, right? While if we look at particulate matters and the sources are a bit more diverse and we get very high contributions from the residential sector, also from agriculture, but then we also get uh, significant contributions from others. Also transport, industry, energy sectors, all of them are contributing to air pollution levels and then, of course, to the mortality burden. So what is the state of Europe's air quality? You know, is it improving? Is it getting worse? And how is that associated with adverse health effects? So it's what we've seen from this study and also other studies is that there is still a very high mortality burden in the cities in Europe. So we're talking about hundreds of thousands of deaths each year. 
So in that way, air pollution levels are too high at the moment. I must say, though, that they're better than in the past. I mean, we've seen air pollution levels uh, declining over time. So there is improvement taking place, but it's not fast enough. We still see a very large burden related to the current levels of air pollution. So there is still a lot of work to be done to reduce them to levels that are acceptable. And acceptable levels are almost zero. So between the EU's Zero Pollution Action Plan and the air quality directives that are currently being discussed in the European Parliament, you know, is Europe doing enough to address the issue? No, I think Europe is not doing enough. And, you know, also the ambient air quality directive is at the moment under discussion in the European Parliament. But, you know, the proposals that the European Commission has made so far don't go far enough. They're proposing uh, air quality standards that are still double that what uh, the World Health Organization says they should be. So um, the European Commission is not ambitious enough. We see in the European Parliament that they try to uh, b make it more ambitious, but the critical phase, I think the critical stage, what we're going to see is after the European Parliament, when it goes to the European Council, uh, the European Council of Ministers, well, probably they're going to decide actually uh, what are going to be the levels, uh, the, the new levels, the new standards for air quality. And I fear that they may not be ambitious enough to prevent many deaths. We know that, you know, air pollution is related to premature mortality, but also at the same time to many diseases. I mean, air pollution affects every organ in the body. Uh, we know there are effects on cardiovascular disease. Uh, think about strokes, ischemic heart disease. Think about hypertension. Uh, we also see on the respiratory system, think about asthma in particular in children, uh, but also COPD, chronic uh, obstructive pulmonary disease. We see also effects on, on dementia, on cognitive uh, functioning, both in children and in the elderly. Uh, we see also effects on mental health. We get more, uh, more poor mental health in higher, higher air polluted areas. Also, you know, what we see is that many other effects, um, health effects, I mean, that are coming as a result of the air pollution. So we really should work harder to reduce the levels. And do you think, is there a reason why Europe has been so slow to implement changes? You know, why are their goals not as ambitious as they should be? What are the main uh, things slowing them down, do you think? Well, the European process is, is, is different, say, for example, in the US. When they set standards in the US, it's only based on health. And then actions are taken to get to this particular level. The, the standards in the US are lower. In Europe, the process is slightly different because the, there is a part is, is health, but then the other part is economics. So economics and health are being combined. And at the moment, uh, many players, stakeholders say that it's going to be very expensive to reduce the air pollution levels. Although based on cost-benefit analysis that is being done by the European Commission, the benefits of reducing air pollution well outweighs the cost of, of taking these measures, I think, by a measure, uh, by a ratio of 6-7. So actually, the benefits should be much bigger, uh, and they're also bigger, and they should be taken into account. The problem is, of course, who's going to pay for the measures to reduce air pollution? That are not the same people that are going to benefit from this, from the reduced cost. And so within the EU, 
this weighs heavily and that's why we don't see action i think as fast as, as we could because you know there's a big lobby group trying to relax uh, the guidelines or at least make them not as strict yeah yeah that's a shame so and in terms of your study you know, what what are the implications of your research on on national and international policy you know is there a need for more coordinated actions yeah, so our study, we focus on cities. Basically, what we saw is there's like uh, many differences now in the variety of sources that are contributing to air pollution and mortality in each city. Uh, so basically, if we look at each uh, city, depending on where it's located, where uh, what are the main industrial activities or whatever that's going on in that city, the sources will be different. And so that make us think that we actually need to first... Uh, uh, implement local actions, right? We need to consider all these variabilities that's happening uh, within each of the cities. But cities at the end, they're also not isolated. It's not that they're isolated entities. They're also, uh, many cities are surrounded, for example, by other cities. So they might be influencing each other's air pollution levels. And they're also within countries and in an international context as well in Europe. Uh, so at the end, uh, of course, we need uh, actions that are local, not that are targeted to the local level, but then we also need to think about more broader actions, right? Uh, actions that could be happening at the regional country level, but also at the international European level. And in this sense, uh, this relates to what Mark was saying, no? it's, uh, now the revision of the EU directives. So all these actions are important, right? And they go hand in hand and they actually help us to achieve these reductions in air pollution levels. And uh, Mark? Yeah, so, I mean, I think we need to all come together. I mean, as what uh, Sasha said, I mean, that's very important. But we're talking about also the directors, but we see also other kind of policies that actually can influence air pollution levels. I mean, think about like for the emissions, source emissions directory, what deals with how much uh, cars can emit uh, from the tailpipe, that's very important, or from from tire wear, this kind of things. Also, for example, for agriculture, I mean, there's a lot of PM coming, particular matter coming from agriculture, what we see in our cities. And that was some of the surprises uh, here, because about we saw that a quarter is actually coming from agriculture. So you also need to reduce the levels from ammonia coming from agriculture that uh, form uh, secondary particulate uh, matter. So we need to also think about that kind of policies, other sectors that may have actually an influence on the air quality. Therefore, we need to have a more holistic uh, approach to air quality, bringing many different sectors together to find the solutions. Yeah. It's interesting in terms of these kind of like international policies or an, a kind of a, a national or international approach uh, in terms of the the kind of wildfires that are occurring in Canada at the moment and how that has massively impacted the air quality in New York. And obviously, we're going to see a lot more of these kind of wildfires in Europe as well. It's obviously a very different kind of pollution, but are there kind of action plans that you can think of approaches that would have to happen on an international level to help you know tackle that? Or is that very irrelevant? Yeah, no, you're completely right. You know, we're all affected by climate change. And for example, the wildfires are one of the expressions of this, what's happening. We're going to get more wildfires. 
and you know also wildfires like air pollution in general doesn't know any borders so uh, we're going to get more wildfires uh, and that causes problems and you know the, the thing is sometimes people think from ah trees are natural so if you get fires from that that's also natural so it doesn't cause any problems and of course that's not i mean it's the same as with wood burning we see a lot of wood burning taking place in cities nowadays before it was more the countryside now in cities and that actually is also causing air pollution and causing health effects i mean you know even though the wood is natural still people die from it or get asthma so that's something to think about uh, and then also you know, the, the other thing is, for example, what we see is also Sahara dust. I mean, because of the um, dust coming from Africa flying over what is kind of a natural source. But again, there are health effects related to this uh, dust. And of course, there is some discussion going on at the moment for, you know, do we only include anthropogenic dusts that is generated in the air qualities or things that we can't control? Should we leave them out? Uh, should we not include them in the guidelines because it would be unfair but of course you know all the dust as far as we know all particulates cause health effects uh, and therefore we should include them all into the current uh, ambient air quality directive and also in the guidelines so to, to end on a on a lighter note i suppose are, are there any examples of, of promising local actions that you'd uh, you'd maybe like to highlight very much so, actually. That uh, and that's that's one of the limitations of the current ambient air quality directive, and also the cost benefit that went around uh, went with it, uh, because they generate they focused very much on on technological changes and improvements. Think about you know emission controls, the Euro six to Euro seven, the electric car, or whatever, introducing this. What they actually uh, didn't include, and I think what are quite promising solutions are more around behavioral change and urban planning. We've seen some examples, uh, for example, by introducing low traffic neighborhoods in, in, in London that, that actually can reduce uh, air pollution levels in the particular neighborhood. We've seen in areas in Barcelona with the Barcelona superblocks that they actually can reduce also air pollution levels. Or what we're hoping for also like in Paris where they're introducing the 15-minute city that all destinations for people are within 15-minute walk or cycling ride can actually also reduce uh, air pollution levels. Or, for example, we have a car-free neighborhood in, in Freiburg called Vauban. Also there, I mean, we don't see any air pollution uh, or low, much lower air pollution levels. Uh, in this way, you've got this kind of solutions that actually are not uh, at the moment included, uh, but actually are quite promising. I mean, of course, there are some kind of people that are, or there are some people that object to those. I mean, uh, unfortunately, not many people want to reduce car use as 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 much as they should. But uh, so there is some resistance. But I think they're quite promising. And finally, the other one, what is is working very well, are the low emission zones. Uh, uh, we've seen them being introduced in many cities. Um, in particular, now also in in London, we see the ultra low emission zone. There are some confrontations happening at the moment, so it's not that everyone agrees with it. But again, I mean, it, it shows that you actually can reduce air pollution levels with these kinds of measures and also improve health. I mean, a study has, after study has shown this, and so that's why they're important. Uh, Sasha, did I miss out some things? Or... Did you mention Barcelona, the superblocks? Yeah. 
So, yeah, I think I agree with everything that Mark said. And I think we need to think about redesigning our cities now. So, of course, thinking of air pollution, but of course, in cities, we also have many other exposures that affect our health, such as noise or like of green spaces. And now with climate change, we also face increased temperatures. So I think in this sense, it's very important to design our cities in a way that they promote and also protect our health. Uh, so, of course, like low emission zones are important, but this needs to be accompanied by all their changes, like, um, I don't know, implementing like biking lanes, for instance, or creating more pedestrian zones, uh, more parks, more green in cities, right? So in this sense, we have uh, neighborhoods and cities that make us walk, make us cycle, make us not use our cars and also create the spaces where we can engage like in doing sports, more social activities. And in, in this way, we can promote our health, like in a more holistic approach, right? So that's- Yeah, I think it's the point what Sasha says. I mean, that, you know, our cities are still too car dominated, too car centric. We have a lifestyle for, with, with the cars that is not sustainable in a way. And what we saw also in our health impact assessment, that transport as to, when you combine NO2 and PM2.5 to, together, it's the largest contributor to uh, mortality, premature mortality, what we saw in the thousand cities. So this should be also a prime target for for reduction. That's, uh, that's really interesting. I think that's a, a great point to leave it on. Thank you both for uh, taking the time to chat with me. It's, it's been a real pleasure talking to you both. You can read Dr. Mark Neuenhuysen's and Sasha Kamanko's research online now at thelancet.com. Thank you to Mark and Sasha, and thank you for listening to this episode of In Conversation With. Remember, you can subscribe to In Conversation With, The Lancet Public Health, wherever you usually get your podcasts.